The Lord be with you. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that is lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having ten silver marriage coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. We encounter a lot of words on a Sunday. That's a, I don't know if that's an Anglican thing. I think most churches are pretty wordy, which is what makes it hard on kids. <laughs> um, and, you know, we can get lost in the words. I would encourage you on a weekly basis to just choose a few words that stay with you and kind of catch you and tuck those in your pocket and walk with them. That's, that's enough. The, the first couple lines of our gospel reading are enough. Jesus was there, we don't know where, in some public place where there are lots of different people, and the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And, and we're to understand that it was a rare thing for tax collectors and sinners to feel comfortable enough to go near to any rabbi and, and hear his teaching. We don't know why that would be. It makes us wonder what safety did Jesus create in his being. I know you've met people who are safe to you and you feel like, oh, I could dive into this person and they would love me just how I am. Uh, the way that we can do that for other people. How do we create safety for other people as individuals? How do we create safety for others in our church community? That's a, that's a big question. 
Who does not feel safe here? They're not here. That's a true statement. We need to be able to think and imagine and hear through other people's eyes and being, you know, what, what are the requirements of safety to even step through these doors? It's an intimidating place. We acknowledge the 8 a.m. service is even more intimidating than 10 a.m. because you walk up and there are, you know, three people this morning <laughs> and you realize I'm on stage, you know. <laughs> You're all on stage here as well, but you feel it more up there. The church can be intimidating. What, what makes it safe? And so they were coming near to Jesus. And, and we think he was bringing out some message. He was giving some proclamation in his being and what he did and how he lived that, that they felt safe and maybe even transformed that they felt part of God's story when in the rest of their life they were probably not made to feel part of God's story. Um, Tax collectors and sinners, we might have an image of what that is. It's maybe helpful to know tax collectors were uh, Jewish people who were working for the Roman government. So... um, that's, that's kind of the worst place to be. Your own people doing the wrong thing. Like that, that's who we're most grumpy about usually. Your enemies, you expect them to be enemies, but your, your brothers and sisters, if they're working for the man, then, you know, that can cause more trouble. So tax collectors on the edge of things and sinners, we can imagine what that would be. We might have an imagine of those sinners over there and who comes to mind for us, that's good to think about and be aware of. Uh, There are probably religiously created sinners in the sense that um, there were synagogue rules and uh, Jesus living in a more strict religious community. And so you would kind of know what put you on the sinners list. Uh, we, We were more there maybe 60, 70 years ago uh, with a more sense of homogeneity in our, our Canadian context, where you know who was on the bad list, who was on the good list, and you knew where you were. And, you know, and that, that sometimes happens in religious contexts. Um, background, of course, today is the psalm, there is no one who does good. And, and uh, you know, St. Paul understanding that about himself and saying that is why I needed saving is because I'm a mix. I'm a messed up mix of brokenness and I need God in the midst of who I am. So that's in the background, of course. But there is Jesus, the one who the sinners and the tax collectors chose to go to because of his proclamation, because of what he brought. And it was not received well by the establishment, by those who liked the clarity of who was in and who was out. The scribes and the Pharisees, um, who represent all of us at different times when we move into that categorizing and uh, knowing exactly where someone is, that, that kind of bad side of judging where we, we don't think about it, we don't listen, we don't learn the story, we just assume we know uh, what, what's going on in that context.
So there is Jesus, and here is Jesus, the one that Christians follow, the one that we have turned our lives towards and said, this is the one I will go after, the one who we meet at this table, uh, the one who this building and land has been dedicated to. And so it is clarifying for us to think, how is it for us? What is the proclamation? What is the, the message that we bring? I've, I've heard this language kind of, you know, what makes us special as Christians? What makes us different from anyone else as Christian people? Uh, I've heard it called the marks of the cross. You know, what are, what are the marks of the cross imprinted in our lives that are seen and known by others? Um, I hope part of that is creating safety for others, that we are not eroding safety, but actually creating that in our neighborhoods, workplaces, being how, how we are. What is it that people encounter when they know us? And, and how do they know that we're Christians? How do we go about this Christian work of following Jesus and, and who he is? I took a risk of putting some words together about maybe what that is in our time and place. Not, not too specific, but maybe some containers that could be filled in, in different ways. Uh, there's always a risk in writing things down because, I mean, let's be upfront. I know I'm wrong already. I know I've missed pieces. I know that it's incomplete, and I'll be the first to say I feel like it's too wordy and too long and not poetic enough. Um, it's four slides. I've got them on the, on the screen so you can read them and those at home can read. And, and my, my goal here is to open some thoughts, and don't read it yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read them out. <laughs> it's always the danger of, I should have put it like one thing pops up at a time, right? That's the trick. Um, I didn't do that, so you'll have to control yourselves. Um, but, you know, I want to open some thoughts, and I would love if, seriously, if each of you wrote me a list of what you think it means to be a Christian today, because that that lands solidly in how we do church together and, and how that plays out. And I, while, while some of the impulses and core thoughts and feelings will, will be the same through all ages because we're looking at the same man and how he lived and led and who he was in God's story, um, the, the issues change and the needs change and we use different language, and we need to update these things. Um, Jesus lived his life, I, I don't know the geography, but you know, you could walk the whole world where he was, and we live our, our life in a global community where our, our choices and, and thoughts impact all parts of the globe. That's, that's a new world to be in. Um, and all these components. So you can put it up now, Sherry. And I'll just read and leave these words to stand. So see how these feel to you. How we live out the Christian life, how we do love in the world, in the season of creation, in the church. 
We understand first that a major scriptural impulse for faithfulness in the scriptures has to do with how we deal with money and items. Think of how often Jesus says something like, leave everything and follow. Give all your possessions. We often don't notice how impactful that is. We give up all selfish ambitions for power, prestige, riches, and appearance. Those things come from a different place than from Jesus. We understand the complexity of our lives that reveals a real mix of good and bad. We understand the effects of our lives on the land, on our bodies, our families, global peoples, supply chains, and social structures. We know who stays poor and who gets richer. We know that every dollar spent is a vote for the world we really want. We listen. We learn the backstory of a thing from several voices. We expect bias in every articulation. We practice the humility of knowing that we never see the whole picture, only God does. We respond to others out of this humility. When we do learn, we then speak what we know. We understand the historical and current power dynamics that have created both privilege and trauma among the people and have given birth to our social and political structures. I might add that we know our place within those dynamics. We understand tacit agreement, that doing nothing is agreeing with the status quo, and also that there are many ways to do something. We do not just hope, but we advocate and work for human equality and dignity for all people. We consider what voice we have and who is voiceless. We have a bias of action over preaching. Doing is more important than talking, yet we pray and preach in their season as well. We see the visible poor around us. We are not scared of them. We know them. We do not quickly judge them. We learn actively and stay on top of how we can best be of service to them as another part of the human family. We work hard on our inner life and self-understanding so that we are aware, honest, alert, and effective, and that we are compassionate to ourselves and to others. We value deeply our relationships, trusts, and agreements. Giving up all forms of judgmentalism, fear, and control, we take each person as just themselves, beloved of Creator in their own story and being. We assume that God is teaching us through them rather than us to them. We extend this truth to all things that have being around us and seek the benefit of all things. They are all our relations. And may we thrive together.
I'd love to talk more. But we'll continue with the creed.